All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? And how do you get it? I'm your host, Jeff Coulard. Welcome to the show. It's a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship of self. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. Okay, welcome to another episode of Powerful. My name is Jeff Coulard, and I'm your host, and I'm really excited about today's guest. Uh, today's guest is an entrepreneur, I think, by by trade or by training or just maybe fell into it, we'll find out, and has grown his own successful businesses over the years and now is a, a coach with uh, the Entrepreneur Operating System, or EOS, and helps other business owners scale their businesses and and I guess, find success and find purpose and the passion that they bring to their entrepreneurial journey. And so that's what we're going to dig into tonight. We're going to talk about what it takes to be an entrepreneur, what it's like to be an entrepreneur, some of the ins and outs of that journey uh, from Chris's perspective, as well as probably some pretty practical things to do when you run into the inevitable walls that we hit as entrepreneurs um, and the learnings along the way, and probably just an all around great conversation. So I'm really excited. And Chris, thank you so much for carving out some time to uh, chat on a busy Monday. Monday. You've already had a full day, and here you are late yeah. at night uh, chatting with me. So thank you for, for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff. Excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, well, this is a conversation I've been looking forward to for a while because selfishly, I'm on the entrepreneur journey. And so anytime I get to pick the brain of somebody who's further down the path than me, um, even though I don't see a lot of gray in that beard, that's a pretty good COVID beard, but... Um. There's a little bit, a little bit of gray in there. Well, Trimmed it last night. It was a lot longer and a lot grayer. <laughs> awesome. But you've, you've been an entrepreneur now for how long? When did you start the entrepreneur journey? Uh, I started my first company at 21. So it's uh, yeah, 20, 26 and change now, 26 years. Yeah. I love it. Okay. <laughs> well, let's dig into it. What, what is the, because you've, you've shifted gears. So you, you started your first company at 21 and you've had, yeah. three, you had three companies. Um, are any of those still active? Did you exit the, all of them kind of similarly? Did you sell them? Did you, what was the journey? Or maybe you can back us up to 21 and give us the highlight reel of the last 26 years of entrepreneurship. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I started in my degree in, in university in science and education you know, I was good at science and I like to teach and hated science. <laughs> Once I got into university, I just couldn't even keep my eyes open in class and the, the labs were a real struggle and didn't enjoy it, but loved the teaching component, but I didn't want to be a teacher. My dad was a teacher and I just didn't like the politics of it. I liked being in control of my own destiny. And quite frankly, there was a, this... I was dating this girl my first year of university and her dad is like, you guys should start a business while you're in school to put yourself through school. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, Oh, that sounds interesting. What do you think? And he's like, well, you should start like a pop machine business. And I'm like, okay. And of course, you know, his daughter's rolling her eyes. She's like, dad, not again. Right. And uh, he's a business consultant. And anyways, a week later I come back and I told him I'm out. He's like, what? 
I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Like you said, start a business, like a pop machine business. I don't want to do it. He's like, well, why? I said, well, I went and did a little bit of homework and I looked up the pop machine business a little bit and found out what it cost to buy a pop machine. You know, the new ones are really quite expensive. I don't have a lot of money. And the old ones, they're still fairly expensive. And then you're going to get, you know, spend a lot on maintenance and keeping these things up. Not to mention the locations. All the good locations are, are spoken for. Like, so you got to deal with that. So then you're in second rate locations. And looking at the margin on the product, by the time I buy and turn around and flip a profit, I don't think it's going to be worth my time. So I'm out. And he just kind of was like, who the heck are you? <laughs> How what you're 19 and 20, whatever I was at the time. And he's like, have you like you have instincts and understanding a business that people that I'm working with in their forties don't, I thought 40 was old at the time, not anymore. Um, anyways, he's like, well, what, what are you taking in school? I'm like, well, I'm in science and education. He's like, well, do you like science? I'm like, no, I hate it. He's like, well, what about education? I was like, I like it. I want to be a teacher. He said, well, if you like to teach coach baseball team or consult in business, but you know, have you ever thought of taking business and, in school. And I'm like, no, I never, never thought of it, but I've always known I wanted to run my own business. Ever since I was a kid, I was imagined creating products and solving problems and creating value for myself and the people around me. Uh, so I always knew that that was there. So as soon as he mentioned, I'm like, you know, I just never thought of taking it in university. So I went into school the next year and took all my entrepreneur classes and all minors in education. And never looked back. It was just super fun. I went to like from struggling to get B minuses in science to like straight A's pretty much in business and barely had to study. I just got it, right? Tons of fun, any of the work I did. And within a year, I'd started my own business and invented a football glove for receivers. I joke I couldn't catch, so I created a better milk trap and, <laughs> um, you know, figured that journey out. Had a ton of fun with that. And just, and then all my education became focused on my, my business. And I, we do projects on my company, add and promo class, and we'd spend the money and do the work. It was just a ton of fun, a really cool educational experience because of that. Mm-hmm. One thing led to another in that company. And I became a, in trying to solve the problem for the, um, gosh, turn the bloody phone off. Never have the volume on. Anyways, as um, I became a distributor for high-end sporting goods products in Canada. And over, gosh, the next, I mean, years, we, we launched more than 30 brands with that company. Mm-hmm. Built a great team there, had a ton of fun, the people there. and We uh, launched just thousands and thousands of SKUs in the Canadian market. I think it was over 20,000. And took four brands, number one market share, and had a lot of fun, lots of successes. I like to say I stepped in a lot of potholes too. <laughs> um, you know, I had a degree in entrepreneurship, but, you know, that didn't teach me everything I needed to know. What were some of those early lessons? What are, like, what, which ones stand out, those potholes or those like, oh shit, this is, I, did, I don't know what to do here moments? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had zero experience managing people. And so my first hire, like I'm working out of the basement of my house and I hire this lady I used to work with at the restaurant. Like 
I was bartending. She's, I lure her away and come work. She was a great customer service person, good at solving problems. That was really cool. I had no idea how to manage, right? They'd offered me supervisor roles at the restaurant that I worked, and it was at about a quarter of the price I was making as a bartender. So I'm like, nope, not doing that. In hindsight, I'm like, oh, it would have been good to have some type of managerial experience on someone else's dime and maybe a little bit of training before I started managing my own team. <laughs> We're still friends today, but I I had a chat with her last month and said, yeah, I was not a great manager. She said, oh, you did the best you could. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> I did my best. But Very generous. We were both figuring it out as we went along, and it was kind of fun. Yeah, just understanding how to, I mean, God, like the, the managerial courses you took in university were not very practical. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you actually work with humans effectively, motivate them, uh, lead them effectively? So that was an interesting journey of, you know, trying to be the hero in my business and doing it all, you know, I, I got to show you the way. Mm-hmm. I'm an entrepreneur. That led to some pretty cool learnings over time of dropping the hero and trying to become more of a coach and a leader mm-hmm. and engaging my team more in the creation of the future of the business. What prompted that? Was there a, was there a moment in time or a turning point for you where it's like, uh, this isn't this here, me as hero, me as doing it all, having all the answers isn't working the way it needs to. Yeah. I mean, at one point I recognized that was the linchpin in the business, right? If you'd removed me, the business wouldn't have survived. I'm like, oh no, what have I done? Right. I, I should know better. It was probably about eight, nine years into the journey. And I'm like, well, that's not good. Like I, my goal, my dream was to like exit the business, but still own it and have a good management team running it mm-hmm. and take a dividend out and then do other businesses. I'm like, that'd be fun. So as I started to think more about that strategically, I'm like, well then I'm the answer for everything right now. That's not good. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Oh, well I need a system, uh, some process, better processes in my business. I read myth revisited. I'm like, Oh, I got to build a franchise model for my company and proceeded to completely disassociate all of my employees from, from me. And yeah. Um, Maybe I'm being a little hard on myself, but, you know, I don't think the messaging was very solid coming from me around that piece. So I like to say I got a lot of valuable battles as an entrepreneur. That's definitely one of those experiences of trying to get really good processes in my business, knowing I needed a system, but I didn't do it very well. Hmm. What is, can we dig into that for just sure. a sec? Like what is not doing it well look like and what's the, like, what's the learning that came out of that for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of embarrassing. I swear I said something to the effect of, as I'm explaining why I want to build processes top to bottom in the business, I'm like, well, it's so that we can all be replaceable, right? Like, so if I go or you go and, you know, like we can interchange parts and none of us become barriers to growth. I mean, all they heard was, oh, so you're doing this so that you can let me go and not have to worry. Um that I'm pretty sure that's what they heard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 
I had some learning to do on how to lead effectively at that point. Communicate those messages, right? Because it was the right idea, but just not communicated very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you've realized you need some processes and systems to remove yourself and not have any kind of one person or position be a barrier to growth. For the business. Sure. So you've had that realization. You go about doing that maybe not quite as eloquently or elegantly as, uh, as you could have. And so yeah. some lessons learned, but what's, what's next. So obviously like that, that worked to some degree, or you were able to figure that out. Um, yeah. You know what? I, I guess I, I like to say I was sitting on a sharp enough nail. I'm like, I got to do this differently. Hmm. And so, uh, 2012, we lost, 70% of our business overnight. Like one conversation gone. Wow. What, what happened? We had a, a deal with our key supplier. And I mean, it was a rocky relationship. And, you know, it was just round peg, square hole kind of stuff that no matter what, just different kinds of people and different value set and all that. Mm-hmm. And so I knew it was coming to an end at some point. Or like, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And I had a mentor that challenged me and said, okay, what's the plan when that happens? I'm like, well, I gave him a laundry list of what I was going to do. And he said, okay, great. The next time we meet next month, you're going to give me a written plan. we including a budget of what it looks like when the shit hits the fan. I hope I'm allowed to swear. Absolutely. It's an adult show. Yeah. Fucking time. Okay. (laughs) So um, anyways, I, uh, I came back the next month and I had a written plan and a budget and he challenged me on a few questions and, you know, prodded me a little bit on this and that. We're like, okay, filed it away. Didn't think much about it again. Well, and then in January, 2012, you know, I thought we had another year. Turns out we didn't. And it was over like right then. It's like, uh oh. You, you ever heard of a plexectomy, Jeff? No. No. Oh, yeah. I needed a plexectomy really bad. It's when you get a piece of plexiglass installed in your stomach. So when your head's up your ass, you can see where you're going. <laughs> so I was in desperate need of a plexectomy, right? Like, whole world's on fire. Like, 70% of my business walked out the door. I got staff, uh, people across the country relying on this income, and it's gone. Wow. I'm like, Oh no. Like, does my business survive? And so kind of, I mean, the value of peer support groups and I'm long time member of EO and my forum, this small group of tight knit group. I came back and talked to them. I'm like, guys, I'm in trouble. And so we had a presentation on the topic and, I was given a bunch of time to deal with that. And they gave me feedback and experience shares about what to do with this kind of stuff. I had a mentor in uh, Eastern Canada that had been through it before. And he walked me through. He was, God, Peter Porches. He saved my bacon through that whole process. Um, and so he walked me through a whole bunch of what that all looks like. And... You know, the other thing that happened is my head's up my butt. I'm going, wait, plan B, where is that? So I go and f- pull it out of the files, right? And I'm like, there it is, there it is. And instead of 
instead of having to make 150 decisions, I had to make four. And so all my mental energy was just like solve these four problems. We ultimately decided to rebuild the business. And I had the plan written out and had to make a handful of decisions. Some of them were completely ludicrous in the moment. You're like, no, this completely doesn't make sense. But there were only four of those things versus 150. And so that helped me so massively. And one of the things that just fortuitously happened in that is someone gave me the book Traction by Gino Wickman at the time, and it had just been written. Gino was an EO guy, and so he gave someone he knew in Calgary a copy of the book. Here, you want a copy? And a guy in my forums like, here, do you want this book? I'm like, sure. Sounds good. And then as I'm rebuilding the business, I'm like, I'm going to put this system in. I was sitting on a real sharp nail. I'm like, I want to do it different. I want to, I've got a blank slate here. I'm going to rebuild the company. I'm going to do it different. And uh, I used that as the template and the model for the rebuild. What were the core differences or what, what are some of the core differences between kind of your processes and systems that, because you, obviously you'd been, you'd grown quite a bit. You'd had, a, you'd been on a growth journey with yeah. your business before you hit 2012. And then, you're rebuilding after that, what, what changes most substantially or what were the biggest shifts that you ended up making? Yeah, I, I think I learned I didn't have to do it all. So when I tried to implement the EMF process, process system, I did like so detailed, you know, and my team, I mean, we must have done 232 processes wow. and it was cumbersome and it was insanely detailed and then something shifted in the business and made like a third of it irrelevant. And I just like, Oh, didn't have the appetite to go back. So it just became useless to us. So one of the cool things about, you know, that, that I learned with the EOS thing is don't do that many, right? What's the 20% of the work that delivers 80% of the results. Mm-hmm. instead of an 85 page business plan, which I was used to writing and grinding out for, you know, every couple of years and, Oh God, I got to update my business plan. They're like, no, no answer eight questions. It's on two pages. Like just answer the high level stuff, man, and spend the rest of your energy working in your business, making it better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's those out of the timeframes of elevating out and looking at it from above. And then, you know, the time spent in the business making shit happen. So that was really key. Um, the thing that I struggled the most with was, or that I felt I struggled the most with was getting people to buy into the vision. And partly like I didn't have it fully thought out. And one of the things I did that was really amazing was I, um, I took, key leader into the room when I started working on EOS. I'm like, all right, Frankie, let's go. You and me. He's like, what? I'm like, we're going to spend two days off site and we're going to figure this out. He's like, what are we doing? I'm like, oh, we're going to work through this tool set, this thing that I read. And he's like, oh yeah, okay. He'd heard me do this a few times before. He's like, okay. He was game. Sounds good, Chris. And so off we went and we created this framework and we built the vision out together. 
And I mean, you have those moments of like, oh, I did some things really well. And other moments are like, are you freaking kidding me? I had a bunch of those moments in that process. And, um, you know, one of them is I sat down and one of the first questions we answer is like, what is our vision and mission? And I had these written down, done all this work, told my team this dozens of times. And I read it in the book here and, I, and this exercise that we're going through. And I asked Frankie, and I'm like, what do you think of our vision? I'd never once asked him. And I'm like, huh, what do you think? And so he's like, actually, I love it. I use it all the time. I use it to help us filter decisions. It guides me, my decision-making. I think it's amazing. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really encouraging. <laughs> we got this right. I'd never asked them. Hmm. Now, the mission was another story. Neither of us liked it. It was complete garbage. It was total NBA BS of like just trying to be everything to everybody. Hmm. You know, we'll have the best people, processes, and practices, and like blah, 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 right? It was just generic garbage. And so we streamlined that and made it tighter and more focused and, you know, so that was amazing. So as we work through that process of answering these questions and getting on the same page and having some great discussions, and one of the key principles that it talks about is open, honest, and vulnerable. And we'd always had a very good relationship and talk to each other. But when it's there, right there, staring you into the face and you're having these hard questions, you're like, come on, open, honest, and vulnerable. Let's get after it. And both of us really liked that concept and it just, we continued to practice it and it just got deeper and deeper and better and better. I mean, we were having some really tough conversations and um, that was really powerful. Tough conversations about what? We don't have to dig into the, the details and yeah, sure. uh, what kind of conversations are you having? Uh, I think our major product line is not right for us long-term. I think we better figure out a way around this. I think, um, I mean, I think we have too many paid days off. He, my employee told me this. I think we have too many paid days off. I mean, I like them. Don't get me wrong, but we're a tight margin business and we're giving our staff a lot of paid time off. And if we're looking to save some money, maybe this is a way that we could trim in the future. I'm like, well, that's an interesting perspective. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, you know, like those are those are awkward conversations to talk about, mm-hmm. right? Our own um, compensation, like you know, th- those discussions those are those are difficult. But when you're used to calling each other out, of like, hey, I didn't like the way you talked to me yesterday in front of the team. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh yeah, oh, I can see I interpreted. Yeah, you're right. I got to address that, and we. We got into the habit where if we would go offside in any way, we would, within 24 hours, check back with each other and go, I didn't like how that went yesterday. Yeah, I mean, either. Okay, what are we going to do to make it better? Mm -hmm. It's like any good relationship, but built on that foundation of open, honest, and vulnerable allowed us to significantly improve the way we ran the business. Mm Let's maybe pause here for a second because I'm curious because we can 
the, the work that you're doing now is as, as coach of entrepreneurs, you know, you're helping yeah. others in, implement. Is that a common problem? Is the open, honest, vulnerable, is that like one of those walls or one of those blocks that entrepreneurs run into that you see? Is it common? Oh, yeah. It's oh, pretty sure. Yeah. Well, we're taught from kindergarten. What are we taught? Don't say anything if it hurts someone else's feelings. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so we're taught. I mean, in Canadians, you ever read Radical Candor by Kim Scott? We're ruinously empathetic. I love you. I love you. You're amazing. You're doing great. You're fired. I'm totally pissed off. You. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Yeah, well, you're screwing it up the whole time. I just didn't have the courage to tell you, right? Like, it's ultimately what's happening to that. It just kept festering till it got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. And I don't have yeah, yeah. To, to deal with it. So it's easier to fire you. Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, I'm so frustrated now. I just got to, you're gone. Well, why? Well, how about dealing with that on a more regular basis? And sometimes it hurts, but those harder conversations I find create incredible value. I mean, you're, you're a coach, you get it, right? The, the best coaching conversations are the ones that address some kind of significant pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you life changing. Yeah, totally. And it sounds like the, EOS has been life-changing for you. And so you've, you, you, yeah. dis- you discover it and you start to implement it in your own business and it starts to make a difference. And what happens, what happens next business rec- recuperates sure. recovers from the 2012 January for or what, like what's the trajectory? Look yeah. Like so there? we were grinding out for like 10% of your growth. I mean, we've been doing that for probably 10 straight years doing well, a little bit of growth every year, you know, crash and burn, down a bunch in the next two and a half years, we grew seven times. Oh, wow. Like we broke revenue records within 20 months by like 50%. Like just blew everything out of the water. <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to us to have to regrow, do it our own way. I mean, the, the value of the battle scars is, is incredible. That's a whole other conversation, but, yeah, we started growing really fast. And the crazy thing was, instead of like living in chaos, trying to grind out 10% growth, I swear we were like more calm and peaceful growing three to four times a year than we were grinding out for 10% a year. I'm like, what the heck? And it was just a function of we had that 80% of a bunch of stuff under control all of a sudden. And it was all working together, right? Instead of me cobbling stuff, I'd go to this seminar and bolt this on and another one and duct tape that on over here. It all worked together as a comprehensive system. And um, and the best part is, is I didn't have to be responsible for all of it. Like I teach this stuff to my team and it was so simple and practical. They're like, I got this. And I'm like, great. Do you need me to teach it to the next person? They're like, no, 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 I can teach it. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> kind of feel a little useless in times, but I'm like, this is good. Cause I want freedom long-term to start other businesses. This is going to get me there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was, it was quite the experience. And the, the cool thing was we had an amazing team of people in that company. And as we shared the vision with them in our game plan and ideas and how we were going to get there, they started sticking up their hand going, I got ideas and how we can get there faster. And because we clearly articulated where we were going, they were able to engage in helping us get there better and faster. And they were 
and again made me um it, it it gave me hope that you know for the future that yeah i'm not needed here forever this is amazing yeah because that seems to be the i guess the sticking block for a lot of business owners is being coupled to their business right not being able to step step away from it and as a coach consultant one man show like i get that if i don't go and work like there's no revenue coming in at this point and that's just life but that's you know long term not how we all probably foresee our life as entrepreneurs we want to build something um that doesn't require our constant 24 7 attention so um so you got to a point obviously where you kind of fully were able to fully step back and take that space and and what was what was next for you so you've you know you're on a rapid growth trajectory um and yes, the, you know, the ability of how to let go as a leader and still sleep at night is an interesting challenge. That's that. Yeah. I've got a keynote in, uh, <laughs> in April at a leadership conference, at an EOS conference in Houston. We'll see if I'm virtual, but yeah, it's a common challenge with leaders, not just the entrepreneur, <laughs> the other leaders too. Anyway, so one of the great questions that I've been asked in my history in this, you know, my forum group was where do you get your energy? And I've always loved to teach, right? I knew that I would took it in university for a reason. I taught kids and I was the oldest of three boys and taught my brothers a bunch of stuff and whether they wanted it or not, um, taught kids in my class stuff that I was good at. I'd, I always had the ability to reach over and say a few words and the person go, Oh, right. Right. When the teacher would not answer the question. Right. So I knew I had this ability. And, um, you know, as I reflected on more kind of what do I do next and, you know, what's the next business, I start paying more attention to my energy levels. Well, you know, where's my, where's my energy? And the sporting goods business, I was starting to get a bit bored, right? It's a little bit repetitive. Been there a long time. You know, next brand up. Here we go, right? And it was fun. I love total sports nuts. So get to guinea pig all these cool products. And, you know, but I was like, ah, I'm ready for something different. So what's next? And so I start thinking about this. And I'm like, I go into this meeting at like, seven o'clock at night. And I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go to this meeting, but I've got an obligation. I'll go. And two hours later, walk out of the room. That was great. You guys want to go for a beer? Let's keep talking about what we were talking about. I'm like, what was inside the two hour window? And for me, it was, it was coaching, mentoring, challenging people to build something better, especially related to entrepreneurship. And I'm like, huh? And so I'd mentored and coached and done a bunch of this stuff in my history to that time period. I'm like, boy, I wonder if I could make money doing that. I'm like, well, I'm a total amateur right now. I don't have any formal training. I feel like a hack. You know, I'm helping these people out, but they're not paying for it. So, you know, I think it's pretty fair trade. Um, you know, I got good responses from them, uh, but I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. I'm like, well, I just purposely put all of my volunteer efforts into that bucket. If I'm coaching entrepreneurs, I'm interested. And with those with those opportunities came learning opportunities and read books and went to more seminars and 
you know, then I'm like, okay, got a bunch of hours under me, bunch of different experiences, different type of people that I work with, businesses that I worked with, um, education, dealt with some, you know, learned from some experts in the field. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, like one day I'll make money in this. I've coached nine sports. I like to coach. <laughs> and, and then all these entrepreneurs and leaders and uh, like, this is good. So what could I do? And then I, I implement this EOS system in my business. And I was like, holy man, like this was unbelievable. And um, so I, I'm like, I got a coach. I decide one day we're in Tofino at a retreat, like four day intensive. Like you're just spent at the end, right? You're raw. And we're having dinner at the Point restaurant there. It's an incredible restaurant overlooking the ocean there. If you've ever been there in the Wiccanishin, incredible location for a restaurant. And everyone's talking and having dinner. And, and I'm like sitting in there and like, like it all turns to white noise. And uh, I mean, I'd been asked questions by that group of like, what is Chris without Antrix Sports? Like my identity was so tied into being the sports guy. And, and everyone, all of a sudden they're like, Chris, what's going on? And I'm like, it's time. I'm like what? I'm like, I gotta leave Antrix. What do you mean? I'm like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to go coach somewhere. I'll do something, but I'm going, it's time. Like it regrown the business, smelled like roses, overcame the big obstacle. And I'm like, I'm bored now. Hmm. I got to go. I've done what I need to do here. I could stay here forever. It'll be fine. I'll be okay. But it's not enough. I got to go. New challenges. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was, I'm like, I got to leave. And they're like, so I'm like, well, I'll probably EOS. But, you know, I'm going to go do some ex- exploration. Talk to other business within 24 hours. I had an offer from another company to come and join their team, and I'm like, explored that opportunity. And I was like, no, I want to, I want to start my own thing. And went and met Gino, and within two weeks, I met the new visionary for EOS and Gino, two weeks apart, and talk, and then just made appointments to go talk to them after their their workshop. I'm like, yeah, I need to talk to you. And they're like, what? And I'm like, thinking about doing this thing, doing what you guys, you know, becoming a coach in your system. What does that look like? And great conversations with those guys. Neither of them tried to sell me. They're like, hey, people like you tend to be successful in this. You got to walk in their shoes. But you got to want this. Like, it's not for everybody. And they didn't really sell me. And I just love that. They're just real guys, you know, it's a powerful journey. We got some cool people, but you know, think about it. If, if you're interested, these are the next steps and reach out if you're interested in talking further. And I love that approach. They're just real people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did my exploration. I'm like, EOS is it. And three weeks later I was off to Detroit to get trained and join the community. Okay. And when, when about was this? So that was January, 2015. 2015. Okay. So, so you're, yeah. 
you've been at it for a while then. And was yeah, it'll be six years in, in January. I launched the business at, at Aaron Sky Kelly's uh, transformation weekend. I, I was a keynote and I, at the end of like 500 people and I'm like, and today's the day I leave my sporting goods company. Everyone's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like chasing this new thing. And they're like, no way. Yeah, and two weeks later, I was off in Detroit getting trained and joining that. So it was, it's been a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. What, uh, so Strategic Traction, that's your yeah. that's your company that yeah. does EOS coaching and facilitation. Um, what, I guess, where are you at now with that? Are you... You've got a few staff. You've got a couple of folks working with you. Yeah, there's four people now. on our team. Yeah. So is the go- is the goal to scale that up as well? Are you trying to go? Are you trying to repeat kind of that entrepreneur's journey? Uh, this actually might be a nice segue into a conversation about that we talked about before we went on air around some realizations you've had around purpose and some hard yeah. things that you've been working on um, during these times. But um, what's where where are you at in that journey of uh, with strategic traction? Yeah, I mean, the long-term goal, transform the lives of 400 leadership teams by 2027. And I can do about 100 myself, and so I'm going to need others to do the other 300. So, yeah, it's it's build a team of kick-ass leaders that have been through it. They want to help others. And so, um, you know, that's a, that's a journey building the – system to make that work and and just helping kind of you know one client at a time uh, but then also having like the value adds and the different things that we bring to it we built a leadership center on october 2019 um in the rtc building near the university of calgary yep. beautiful space two incredible boardrooms and a nice common area and some storage and ah, really great space. Haven't used it much. <laughs> Nearly as much as you might want to. Uh, you know what? Small problem, big ship. And um, I look forward to the day when we're in there more frequently with our clients doing face to face, but yeah, we're, we're building a team out of people to do this kind of work. Awesome. Very cool. Um, let's maybe shift gears a little bit into you, you had kind of mentioned purpose and some realizations or some, some reflecting you've been doing on your own your sure. own purpose. And so I guess it's like, what, what's happening, what's going on with, with this sure. reflection into purpose. And cause I, I love having purpose conversations with people because I find, I find them very meaningful and there's always lots of insight for, for myself and hopefully the listeners. Uh, but selfishly for me, I'm always curious about people's yeah. journey to purpose. So. Yeah. It's something else. I mean, I, I started reading some books and some, I asked some friends who'd spent some time on it and, and they suggested start, uh, this book, discover your true North by Bill George was a good place to start. And just understanding, you know, the leadership journey and the crucibles, how necessary crucibles are on that journey. So that was really interesting. I kind of started there and, came up with some ideas and started off with like maximizing potential. Like it's who I am. It's been in my DNA. I was like, if I was MVP of the basketball team in high school, I was like, I don't care. Like I was the first guy in gym in the morning 
um, shooting hoops. I'd go there on my breaks and hound the phys ed teacher for the keys to the gym so I could go in and I'd stay late after practice. Like it was just whatever. That's always kind of been who I am. I always want to grow and get better, maximize my potential. So I'm like, this makes sense, right? You know, it was my mentor in Tucson challenged me and he's like, so, okay. You know, I know you, like this guy's known me for years and um, he's like, Chris, I know you pretty well. And I mean, it's a great purpose. And he said, but you're a pretty unique guy. And I mean, quite frankly, I've heard this purpose statement before, you know, I challenge you to, to make it better. So I was like, oh, come on. Like, so I go back to work and I'm like, to game changing transformation. That's me. I'm an athlete. I'm going to game changing. Those are words I use all the time. And I was like, okay, changing into that. And even for me, I was like, yeah, it's good. It's authentic, but it's not enough. So I went to this leadership Academy in, in the Kananaskis in 2018 Five days, the agenda ran from 6 a.m. till midnight every day, and we had to sleep and shower in between that. Never did. I never used my alarm once in that day because I was so full of pissing vinegar. <laughs> and we're just surrounded by like these 45 of the coolest leaders from across the world, and we're working at this stuff and thinking about this stuff. And, and that spun off this other little mini group. And last month, we did a virtual retreat, two days, known. I mean, people were all over North America. So none of us were face-to-face. We had the most powerful two-day retreat. and No one ever saw each other face-to-face. We were just on Zoom. We're going through this exercise that assesses family, different areas of our business, and then broke into a conversation one-on-one with one of our, our members. Then we assessed our business. How's that looking? break off in a conversation with a one-on-one. And as I'm describing the business, and I think one of the questions was like, how would you rate your success in your business to this point in life? One out of 10. So I have my rating and then I'm like, yeah, but let me get clear. on know I'm rating it this way. Is that I've, I think I could have been more successful in business, but at the cost of family, which we just talked about. And if I had done that, if I had like been successful in business and didn't know my kids or lost my wife in the process, I'd call that a huge loss. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, holy shit, it's right there. And it's, it's creating game-changing transformation for family-focused entrepreneurs. Right? Like, cause that's always been the, every group that I've led in, I've, like I've always been like a work-life balance guy, whatever you, people say, it's not possible. I think it's total bullshit. It, like it's what you choose. Like I, last time I checked, we're in control of our own life and, and life is short. And if we get to the end, we're like, Oh, I've worked forever. Like this is nothing new. But you know, some people are really intent on following that path and others aren't, and that's okay. But the ones that I really connect with are like, how do we make life a great experience? And do it with the people close to us. Those are the people that it's always been my story. And it's the people that I enjoy working with the most. And so 
you know, that was last month. So it feels amazing. What the cool thing about opening that up is that we had four areas of life we were assessing that day, family, business, community, and personal. And then we set goals in those four areas. Well, once the purpose was crystal clear like that, the goals were freaking dead easy. Like, well, I'm going to do this kind of thing here. And then in the community, I'm going to offer and we're going to focus our efforts and do the things that give back to this family focused organization that, you know, and I can use my talent. We'll make some money there and we'll donate the proceeds. Like, and everything was just like, well, that's just easy. And so it was just like opened up a floodgate. And so now I'll get to tell that story to my clients of like, when you really nail your purpose with your business, your goal setting is going to become easier. Yeah. A lot less arbitrary and kind of throwing darts at the, what we think is meaningful. It sounds like you've, you've pinpointed, you know, you know what is meaningful for you and the work that you want to be doing. And in that environment, goal setting, like, like you say, it gets pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's just like, I was like vibrating. <laughs> like, I was like, holy crap, I can't believe I just figured this out, right? Like, <laughs> and the team was like, no doubt, like that is, that's you. And so that was a cool moment. Uh, very cool. Um, and maybe wouldn't have happened without that virtual retreat, right? It sounds like the, or oh. like it. I'm curious about, because you've, you've mentioned community now, like numerous times where there's a theme, there's a thread that runs through sure. from your early days as an entrepreneur, looking at, you know, a peer, peer advisory groups and EOS and, and retreats and lots of community, um, yeah. I guess support and accountability is what I usually look at communities for. The purpose of a community in my life, a peer advisory group is really, you know, support when I need it, when I'm shit's hitting the fan and that accountability, that hard pick, you know, kick in the pants when you're, uh, you're not following through on something or whatever that looks like. But can you describe maybe your experiences in community and the role they've played and maybe a little bit of, if somebody doesn't have a strong community, how they can go about finding one or building one for themselves. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. So, I mean, community, yeah, what, I mean, we spent probably the first 10 minutes of the conversation and the one-on-one around community of what is community? Is community the people that you in your neighborhood? Is community the entrepreneurial community, which we're part of this global organization? Like I'm a I'm a leader in the this accelerator program in EO. Is that community? Is community the nonprofits that you're involved in? Like, and so we're just like, well, what is it? And we just kind of decided that you know we're really we each define our own community. Um I would add to your definition, which I, you know, plus one to what you said, but I would add, um, I think the purpose of community also is to, it's the opportunity to raise others and be raised up, right? Like that's what I've seen so powerfully. Yeah. Shit hits the fan with my big drop and, you know, they helped me through that. Well, guess what? Like 20 months later, I'm flying, setting my record and saying, I'm going to leave my business and I'm going to chase this thing that's meaningful to me in my life. Well, guess what? They're all sharing with me like, this is so cool watching you go through this transformation. You're inspiring me. Right. So that was my I'm like my opportunity to give inspiration to others and lift them up, whether they were going through a crisis or not didn't matter. But it's like, how do we challenge each other and push each other? 
to become our absolute best. Like what's our, why are we here? And so that's where I've seen community get really powerful and unlocking things like, you know, when someone says I've never told this to anybody in the world ever, those are cool moments. Mm-hmm. And, or someone realized this for the first time about themselves for the first time ever. Those are those are transformational experiences. Whether it's you doing the transformation or not, it impacts. It's impacted me in a in a big big way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'd say that's a little bit about what I would see as community and how it's impacted me a little bit. The um, how to find a community. You know, so your, you know, audience will be from all different walks of life and that's okay. And so what, um, I guess my challenge would be what, what's meaningful to you. If, if you're looking for a community, what's something that lights your passion that you care about, maybe it's your purpose. Maybe you think it is at the moment, which is all good. I, I'm a, just a big proponent of just go chase it. Mm-hmm. And the journey you'll find it. And if you change it, that's okay. You got, you learn from it. Hey, I didn't waste my first year in university by chasing chemistry. I learned I didn't want to do that. And that was valuable. Mm -hmm. Some people chase for years. I only chased for one year. I kind of feel grateful. It was only one year. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, chase, chase a community that seems to make sense and explore. Check your energy levels. Is this serving me? Am I making a difference? Am I creating value for others? If not, maybe it's not the right fit. Try something else. Um, I mean, there's so many great organizations. There's, you know, Rotary, there's EO, there's, um, uh, I mean, there's hundreds, right? So I I don't know. Is there enough meat on that bone, Jeff? You got one to ask more? I think, well, I, no, I think so. I think that the, yeah, I think that maybe the, the myth that needs to be dispelled or the learning that if we can get that learning sooner in our journey is that like just the sheer value of community. Like I, I was super fortunate. We, I mean, you know, Vince Fowler, I walked into his orbit at TEDx in Canmore, probably 2016 ish. And he started up a peer advisory group that I stepped into fairly early on a couple of years ago um, in my entrepreneurial journey, kind of the full time here I go. Um, and that's been a huge blessing and, you know, I owe him a huge debt of gratitude. Um, but community has been a part of my journey since, you know, I started working at an addictions treatment program. Um, it was a wilderness based treatment program. Kids would come and live out there for three months. Staff would live on site. It was like, it was community on steroids. Um, you know, there was, there was no escaping our, your shit um, in that environment. And there was a lot of, a lot of those transformational moments that you talk about when people have those, Oh, I never knew this about myself or I never knew this about life. Like that was a daily thing around the campfire or on the trail or hanging off the cliff, um, rock climbing or wherever it happened to spark or hit somebody. So, you know, I kind of had that bent, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs might be where you found yourself early in the journey, which was, I need to have all the answers. I got to like, I've got to be the one, like I got to be the individual here. And there is that myth, I think, or that societal pressure to be the individual hero. 
of, yep. of the journey. And that maybe causes some people not to access community in the way that they might, if they realized how powerful it was or had experienced it as being powerful. So maybe I don't have any questions to follow that up, but just a nudge for the listener to not ha- have the, like, you got to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and be hype, like be the hero. You can ask for help and you can access uh, other people. And it's, it makes a, a profound difference. Oh yeah. Well, it's, I don't know, look at the best leaders in the world. How many of them are like isolationists? Yeah. I don't I don't think many. Like the best of the best are collaborating on a regular basis. Or hiring hiring coaches, right? I think that oh, you know, the yeah, like high performance athletes, you don't find a high performance athlete that doesn't have coaches. Like coaching is so normal and and maybe your background in sports really helped to for you to see that because I don't yeah. know if the average business owner sees the value of a coach in the same way that, um, that you might, or that's, that people familiar with that. I don't know if that makes a difference or not for people. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you just can't see yourself playing the game and I don't care what game that is. And yeah, I mean, I'm, what have I got three coaches right now? <laughs> I, and that's if I'm being conservative because there's circles where I get coached frequently and coach others and so yeah tons of that for sure i really and i get better significantly because of it and yeah it's uncomfortable yeah it's vulnerable yeah you got to drop the ego but whatever <laughs> let's do hard things let's get uncomfortable this is how we're going to grow last i checked so that's where the growth is at the, the edges yeah. of the comfort um, you mentioned before we get went on. So there's a couple of things that you mentioned. You mentioned um, purpose, and we we dug into that a little bit. Um, but experiments with discipline was something that it seems like it's um, front and center for you a little bit in your in your own life. What are some of the things that you're doing to to build discipline, or what are some other things that you're experimenting with um, these days? So um, a number of things. So. First of all, almost every morning I get up and I do a morning routine. It's uh, one minute of thinking, what's my purpose for the day? Ten minutes of thinking positive gratitude thoughts. Ten minutes reading a good book and ten minutes writing in my journal. And I'm writing positive thoughts to my kids. So those journals will be gifts to my kids. Um. I have always eaten a lot as I was reinforced as a kid to, that I was good because I could eat a lot. And so um, luckily I was very active, so I didn't get really heavy, but I've always just eaten a lot and eaten whenever I wanted. And I'm like, well, this is maybe something I should look at changing. And so I started intermittent fasting after a number of people that I really respect um, leaders and high performance athletes said it was really working for them. So I'm about eight weeks into that now. So that's been fascinating. And, you know, I don't miss it. I don't eat past 8 p.m. anymore. And I frequently don't eat until 2, 2 or 4 p.m., which is really odd and awkward. And I'm like, whatever, let's just do it. Um, I got rid of my alarm clock in the last four months, uh, which was terrifying. Because I'm like, am I going to wake up in time? I got like some of my meetings start at 630 in the morning. I'm not 
I've not always been a morning person of getting better, but I've not once woken up to an alarm in three and a half months since I started this. So that's kind of fun. Um, what are other things I'm doing? Maybe like, I'm curious about the morning habit. So maybe one yeah. more question and then we'll wrap this up. I know you've had a long day and yeah. an hour is plenty of time to, to chat with me in an evening. Um, the, what difference has that morning routine made for you? What have you noticed is different um, because of it? Or you know, I guess what impact has it had on, on you? Yeah. Um, I've read some fascinating books, first of all, and they're just like open your mind, open your heart kind of idea type books, some um, stoic stuff, some other stuff. And um, I mean, it wasn't working. Like I tried this off and on for years. Like I think my first entry in the journal was 2011. And um, yeah, I do it a couple times. I do it on plane rides, you know, four or five times a year. But the Leadership Academy really tipped it for me. And if I want to become my best, then I've got up my discipline game. And the morning routine had to be part of that. You know, how, how can I expect to get the best out of my brain and my body if I don't intentionally do something in the morning to prepare it? And so, yeah, I mean, it didn't work forever. And I stuck to it and I stuck to it. And then all of a sudden it was working. And I, you know, there was just a moment of like, this is amazing. I look forward to it every morning. I come out of there with a smile on my face and I don't know, maybe sounds a little woo woo, but my heart is open and I'm ready to conquer the day. And it's, um, it's a fantastic place to start a day from. And you know, and I've shared uh, some wisdom with my children for the future in the book and I've read something really interesting and I'm just like, okay, I got this. Let's go make something really cool happen today. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a pretty cool, I mean, you see some amazing sunrise. Some days it's dark like it is this time of year and that's okay too. And I used to be scared of being alone. And not having someone to talk to and God asked me to meditate. I would have been terrified. Asked me to not talk to anybody for a day or two on end. And I was like, oh, no. Oh. And and now I'm like, oh, I book time to do that every year, multiple times a year. And the morning is part of that. I just love the peace and the serenity and the connectedness and getting centered and whatever you want to call it. But I, I really enjoy that. It allows me to lead from a place of authenticity and and passion and excitement and energy. And that's just kind of who I am. So it works. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I love that. And I love your passion and your energy. And, uh, and I, I probably need to reignite a morning routine. It went off the rails hard with COVID and my little coworkers. I've got small children. I, I don't know oh. how old yours are, but they're, three, six, four, six, and nine. So 
it's it was a little bit wild there in the spring to try and maintain any kind of entrepreneurial routine or just like life routine in general but i think i should probably reignite some of that uh some of that discipline in my own in my own journey so this is a good kick in the pants for me my my kids are 13 and 17 my boys and but I'll, I'll share with you something that you you bring up when when i hit when we had that big drop in 2012 my kids were young uh, what are they six and nine at the time and to recover the business i'm like okay i got to go on the road a little bit more this year we created a game plan and part of that was launching a bunch of products at race expos across the country i'm like i'm going to be on the road more than ever uh, i need your help and so they're six and nine they're like what and i'm like i don't i gotta be on the road more this year i need you to help support me and, you know, I just heard stories of kids like punishing their parents to travel too much. I'm like, please don't punish me. <laughs> and um, I just had a conversation. I'm like, here's my plan. I'm going to do this for one year. And when that's over, I will not travel as much. Um, but I got to go hard this year to recover the business and save our way of making a living. And they're like, okay, dad. Right? <laughs> sure. They were amazing through that process, six and nine. Mm-hmm. And so they helped me a ton. And so I know that the morning routine, uh, there's a you know a group of us that I learned this from my mentor. And he just said, you need to work with your family is what he told me to make sure they give you that space. And so he challenged me, and I'm, you know, and so my family knows that's part of what I do. I'm not ignoring them preparing to be a better dad even if it's a weekend day mm-hmm. and they understand that so they honor that space and maybe that can help that'd be a tougher conversation with a three-year-old or yeah he's yeah <laughs> well we'll figure it out we continue to to work at it and they're actually they're great kids and they're uh they're pretty good about giving me the space and uh grace to uh be busy sometimes and you know one of my drivers as an entrepreneur is you know purpose for sure i've got a very strong purpose that i hold on to but family is like a photo finish second they're often first like they're they're neck and neck and you know it's being present and engaged is as important for me as anything i do in my business and so it is uh yeah i think we're we're singing from the same playbook um what's your purpose jeff what's my purpose i so I help people get unstuck. Um, life is too short to be stuck. And we find ourselves stuck in lots of different ways in lots of different places. And I help people get unstuck and get moving in the direction that's towards things that are most meaningful to them. Um, I could probably tighten that up a little bit, but that's the journey that I'm on. Pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And uh, it takes me lots of cool places and I get to meet lots of very cool people. And I end up working in places I never, never imagined or could expect. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. You get stuck in all sorts of cool places. Let's go find some. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and let's get stuck in something different. That's, you know, we're going to get stuck, but let's keep that like, you know, bigger problems, bigger, bigger stuckness. So, uh, Chris, I really appreciate your time and what you're bringing into the world. And I'm excited to watch your journey continue to, to unfold with Strategic Traction, which is your company. And that's, I'm just going to throw up a banner here. If anybody's watching or listening now or after the fact, they can check you out here. Um, I'm assuming this is the best place to learn more about uh, you and your company in EOS. 
if we've got any entrepreneurs on the hook that are thinking, hey, that sounds nice. I want to uh, I want to have that kind of business that I can be a little bit more free from. Um, I think that people should definitely check you out. And when I'm a little bit further along the journey, I'll probably be looking you up and we can uh, we can chat about some EOS stuff for me. So happy to help. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great night. Thanks, Chris. You too. All right.